Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, you are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Oh, yeah. And then chug yeah. more wine. And chug more oh. wine. And, and have even worse <laughs> accents. Um, I'm Kenyon. I'm Lucy. And I'm Amanda. And our topic this week, I'm so excited about. It is, uh-huh. <laughs> we're calling it Dangerous Minds. <laughs> because we're obsessed <laughs> with that movie. Because Michelle Pfeiffer is bae. Um, so uh-huh. fierce. She basically, her wardrobe is almost like exactly the same toward the end as her wardrobe in Greece too. <laughs> it's like the same leather jacket, the same hair. So I good. like her aviators. Yeah, it's so good. When she right. gets like cool and hip and like with the in crowd of her urban high school, she's basically uh-huh. just her character yeah. in Greece too. Hey, oh you guys God, don't it. like poetry? What you might not realize is that rap is poetry. You all want to Okay. So, Tell me about uh, it, stud. None of this we is have content too, this anyway. week besides Michelle cut Pfeiffer everything. All right. No. So, <laughs> dangerous minds slash fuckity brains. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, we're talking about people who suffer some sort of traumatic brain injury, head injury, stroke, maybe like a tumor or something. Disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something happens with their brain. Their brain gets fucked up, and then they become a murderer. Or just, yeah. like, change entirely. It's yeah. kind of yeah. creepy. It's crazy. And for uh-huh. our listeners who also listen to My Favorite Murder, they have a catchphrase that I love, which is just send them back. If your kid uh-huh. get, it falls down, gets hit on the head as a, as a child, just send them back. Because they're bye. definitely going to become a serial killer. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. I said that at our live show about adoption. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got shit for it. Well, so, no. Well, whatever. Okay. <laughs> you go give those girls shit, too. You're going to give me shit. You're, like, more psychopathic than the My Favorite Murder Gals. Just you. I was we more, balance you out with humanity, I feel like. I was absolutely literal about yeah. sending them back, though. I too. know. Yeah. You, you kept, you kept the joking. receipt. Yeah. Do you get a receipt? Probably. It's a hospital bill. A packing bill. slip. All right. What is our wine crime pairing for dangerous minds slash fucking brains? Over Lucy, do you get a receipt? Um, well, I, I did get a receipt for this wine. I chose the Evolucio Ferment. So I chose this wine by its name and how, you know, the mind can evolve and change after sustaining a trauma, like evolution. Okay, okay. Yeah, and the label's cool. identity is apparently malleable, which is horrifying. Incredible. And and personality, yeah. Yep, so I thought this would (laughs) be a good fit for that. And we've also never covered ferment before, and I absolutely love this wine, especially on, like, a hot day like today. It's been 90 degrees all day, so I just mm. really wanted something white and light and crisp. How do you spell Perfect. it? 
Ferment. Ferment. F-U-R-M-I-N-T. Never even like heard of it. Like mint with fur on it. Wow. Oh. <laughs> okay. mm, yum. Sounds like a bad dental appointment. Well, Ugh. it's far from that because Ferment is a Hungarian white wine varietal out of the Tokaj region. Mm. And a lot of amazing wines do come out of Hungary because of their warm, dry summers that are kind of like lengthy. So they get some time to cultivate their crop. Hmm. Um, for dry wines, that harvest is going to start typically in September. If they want the wine to be a little bit sweeter, the harvest is going to start later, more like the second half of October, um, which allows the grapes to ripen longer on the vine and cultivate their natural sugars, which is a process I know we've talked about several times on the show. Um, and the name ferment may have been taken from the word froment, which is a reference to the wheat gold color of the wine it produces. So I'm assuming hmm. froment is like is a is a color in Hungary for that wheat gold. Okay. Um, hmm. While it is possible that the grape was brought to Hungary in the 13th century, many historians actually believe that the grape was likely to be native to the region. So that's pretty cool. It's like an old world wine from Hungary that was likely created and cultivated right there. Um, and ferment, like Riesling, has the potential for a huge variety of flavors, really depending a lot on harvest time and, like we talked about, the residual sugar after fermentation um, and also the aging process. Ferment can age in a number of ways. You can drink it pretty young. Um, you can age it for a shorter amount of time to just let it mellow out and maybe build up a little bit more of that sugar. And you can keep the residual sugar and age it in it into a complete dessert wine. So it definitely has a lot of options with what you can do with the product. Hmm. Um, The one that I chose, a little bit younger. This is going to be a little bit lighter, acidic, kind of balanced, and then it has a nice dry finish. So this is a very summery wine, really bright, um, a little bit fruity, but you're going to get more like apple acid off of it. Mm. All right. Mm. But I All guess right. we won't know until we try. And I feel like I haven't popped a cork in 100 years. We've got another crack. Oh. Damn it. All these I white grains. <laughs> Ready yeah. for this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh nice crack. Satisfying mm-hmm. crack. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come to mama. Yeah. Glug, glug, glug. All right. Get Cheers, it. ladies. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, All right. Cheers. Mm. Mm-hmm. La, why mm. don't you give us some background and psych into <clears throat> dangerous minds? Oh my God, so much. Take psych. it away. I, this is gonna I, be I your episode. Out over this one. Yeah. Uh, I had almost as much fun doing research for this one as I did with blood spatter, oh yeah. as we recall. <laughs> Tell me, there is another like yoga mantra. <laughs> that was amazing. I can fit one in for All right. sure. All right. Oh, God. Um, okay, so naturally it goes without saying that the brain is a very complex thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically only in recent decades neuro, psych- neuro doctors have like figured out a lot of <laughs> like, this information. Like so. neurologists? Neuro- Neuroscientists. Neurodoctors. That's the word I was looking for. Neurodoctors. Neuro- neuro nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Neutrons. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, so physical trauma, physical trauma to the brain can lead to psychological changes, which is mm-hmm. what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to preface this, I'm going to hit on a few specific 
uh, injuries and diseases, but this by no means covers everything that can affect the brain, and it also by no means mm-hmm. um, implies that these specific injuries lead to violent behaviors. Correct. It's just, just want to put that out there. It no, just none could of these happen. will cause homicidal behaviors. Yep. It's just. We're just going to get into that. Um, so neuroscientists, neuro-nerds, believe that damage to the amygdala, which we've talked about in our psychopathy, so- sociopathy episode, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the amygdala might explain such changes because the amygdala is the part of the brain that processes emotions and that also links emotions to thoughts. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, therefore, like, thoughts to behaviors, whatever. Okay. Uh, Other areas could be the cerebral cortex, which regulates memory and self-awareness, and the frontal lobe, Mm -hmm. which regulates self-control and judgment. Mm -hmm. And I really liked this detail. Damage to the frontal lobe is frequently caused by bony upward projections from the skull. Ew, like what? Like your skull gets growths? Yeah, like I have heard before, you know like in self-defense classes when you like you have an open fist, but your fingers are curved inwards, and they teach you to punch a yeah. person upwards up, in up their the nose, nose. Yeah. with the f- flat of your hand. Yeah. So that could break the nose and cause bone fragments to go up into their frontal lobe, which, mm-hmm. hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone's trying to rape you, yeah, damage their frontal fucking lobe. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, My case, we'll get into the frontal lobe a bit. Ooh. Oh, I can't wait. I like getting so, in the frontal lobe. Yeah. Tra- mm. Traumatic brain injury is often shortened to TBI. Mm. TBI has been linked to also to low tolerance for frustration, which <laughs> creeps me out. Oops. So in the future, instead of saying, uh, TMI, sorry, when I'm just being a uh, brat, TBI. I'm just going to say, uh, <laughs> TBI, sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. It. Oh, my God. It's so good. <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, Okay, so I had a quote from some article. I don't even remember where I got it from. Sorry, bad English major. Uh, Orbital frontal lesions resulting from contusions of neural tissues against the floor of the anterior cranial vault can occur when an individual falls backwards, striking the uh, occiput against a firm surface. So So hitting the back of your head. You can fall and hit the back of your head, and it just damages your it damages your frontal lobe mm. because of lesions. You know, just the impact. So, so what, that's another way to damage your frontal lobe. What attributes of mine can we attribute to um, <clears throat> that time that I got whacked on the side of the skull with the sailboat boom? <laughs> um, everything. Can't be everything that's yeah. wrong with you. Yeah. yeah, you were you were such a delight before that day, right? And now yeah. you have back problems and food yeah. sensitivities. Yeah. However, and you're your kind mom, of a bitch. your mom picked us up. That was like in the morning, and your yeah. mom picked us up yeah. because she didn't want them to call an ambulance. I don't think you needed. You were like barely bleeding, but that got me and Scott out of sailing for the rest of the day. Yeah. And we stopped at McDonald's. It was so oh my great. god, that's pretty great. Yeah, it was that's like the best day. day of my life. Yeah, <laughs> when Kenyon got a concussion, and I refused <laughs> stitches because I didn't want them to shave the side of my head. So I was just like, "No, nah, oh, that cool. was an option." It's Scott cool. and I were like, "You need stitches. You should probably get stitches just to be safe." <laughs> I think you should get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck so you mean. guys. 
Thanks. Okay, I've got a long ways to go, so I'm going to keep going. Um, also, damage to specific neurotransmitters can cause impulse discontrol in TBI patients. Um, so it's not necessarily areas of the brain that can be damaged. It's like specific neurotransmitters. So, okay. Um, injuries in the front of the brain can also cause elevations in neuro- norepinephrine, which has been correlated with aggressiveness and impulsivity. Okay. So, also, studies have shown that increased levels of dopamine can in, can increase aggressiveness. Yeah. So, it just, it just fucks all of your chemicals, all of your reactions mm. up if you hit your brain in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, okay. At the same time, TBI patients have been shown to have decreased serotonin levels. And remember, serotonin is the good stuff, which yeah. I will get to later. Mm-hmm. And all, all this said, reach, researchers believe that substance abuse is more of an indicator of likelihood for violent behavior than traumatic brain injury. So TBI alone is not a risk for criminal behavior, but when it's paired with substance abuse, mm. it does become an issue. Okay. Can I ask a question, and you can just tell me to shut up if you cover this, and I'll cut this part out. Mm-hmm. Gladly. Um, <laughs> how easy is it for... Uh, these injuries or even just these uh, injuries to like neurotransmitters to be seen in an autopsy? Mm. You know, I didn't really get to autopsy yeah. levels. Okay. I think, I mean, because there, they must be really subtle. I don't think there are I ways think to see certain injuries like CTE, which I know I'm sure you'll talk about. Yeah. On like physically, th- this damage to the brain is tangible like you can see it in autopsy but if -hmm. there are other brain traumas that affect something as like nuanced as a neurotransmitter I imagine it's probably not as easy to detect Mm -hmm. in in a physical autopsy after the fact which makes it a challenging defense for for um somebody can you know being tried for a crime affiliated with this kind of behavior well, if I would absolutely agree with that. If someone's being tried, though, they, then they wouldn't be autopsied. Well, no, I, I mean, I mean, somebody who had committed this kind of behavior, right. and maybe just trying, like, and it, that's getting ahead of it. But this comes up in my in my segment, mm-hmm. and there were some conflicting um, results. But I mm-hmm. wondered if maybe that was something you stumbled upon while you were doing your research. Yeah, I imagine um, some no. of the damage would be subtle enough that it would only appear in, like, an active live brain scan and not sure. in an autopsy. Yep. Yeah, I right. was just going to say, I think most of the brain, I think most brain damage assessment kind of needs to be done while the patient is alive and the brain is functioning so they can Stimulate perform those scans. And, yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes for, total sense. For the most part. Then again, I'm not a doctor. Uh-huh. Go figure. Yeah. Speculate wildly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, so um, it is also commonly accepted that traumatic brain injury can cause and worsen a wide range of psychiatric symptoms, including uh. psychosis, mm-hmm. anxiety, mood symptoms, impulsivity, and cognitive deficits. So okay. if you're if you're already struggling and you hit your head really hard, yeah, there's a great. chance it just could get worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's also a so again, um, substance abuse or a violent or unstable childhood, et cetera, can add to these symptoms. I mean, that shouldn't come as a surprise. No. Right. However, to argue that TBI can cause criminal behaviors is still very controversial in forensic psychiatry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So it is really hard to argue that as a defense in court, yep. mm-hmm. no matter whether and they're dead or alive. Most of as, what I was reading, it failed as a defense. Yeah. Well, my it's case... It's really controversial. My case uh, is pretty interesting about, the, about its use as a defense tool. Yeah. So we'll get into that a little bit in my case. But remember back on the Peeping Toms <laughs> episode... Yeah. My case for that episode, the guy tried to use uh, a stroke That's as right. a defense. He had a stroke right. and then he claimed all I his peeping that. Tomery happened like, after dude, the stroke. you were already a perv before your stroke. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he already was a little bit of a perv and there was some evidence to back that up. So his defense totally failed in court. But yeah. 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 Well, what an easy thing to claim, you know. Oh, I hit my head when I was eight. That's why I'm a fucking asshole. Yeah. Like, um, mm-hmm. N- no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You still have yeah. to take not some responsibility. Not that it's not necessarily has some truth to it, sure. but to prove that in a court, no. You know, there are millions and millions and millions of people on this planet with cognitive difficulties and mental health issues that do mm-hmm. not commit violent crimes. Right. So oh, yeah. I, I think that a level of responsibility still needs to be held while also taking into account how mm-hmm. these factors can contribute to one's behavior. The For ca- sure. The cases that fascinate me are people who are like perfectly upstanding uh-huh. citizens uh-huh. for years and years and years and then all of a sudden like something like this happens to their brain and then they switch like right. that's it's when like it becomes compelling and interesting mm-hmm. to me but yeah uh-huh. okay i'm going to continue because i really do have a lot to get through okay. <laughs> um so one of i think the earliest case of this sort of mm, ish mental issue um, was the case of Phineas Gage in mm-hmm. 1848. Okay. Have you guys heard of this guy? Yep. I stumbled upon this on my research but didn't read it, so. Oh, my God. I love this guy, when? and also I love the name Phineas. Mm-hmm. We know. <laughs> okay, so in 1848, Gage was 25 years old, and he was the foreman of a crew cutting a railroad bed in Cavendish, Vermont. Okay. On September 13th, as he was using a tamping iron to pack explosive powder into a hole... So a tamping iron is is a long metal rod that they use to pu- push the the explosive the explosives down into a hole. Okay, so, like so a, this is a for tampon. sure where the word tampon came from. <laughs> like we just tracked the etymology of the word tampon just now. Tamping, because uh, you diff. tamp it down. Tampon, because you plug it up. You're plugging okay. explosive shit up into a hole. So yeah, yeah. tampon. Oh, Jesus Christ. Katie okay. and I are on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is slightly more lethal of a story than tampon uh-huh. usage, but... Okay. okay, so as he was tamping the explosives Tamponing. down into the hole, the powder detonated. Ooh. The tamping... The tamping iron, which was... It's, Just say the Okay, tampon. so picture this. 43 inches long... One and a quarter inch in diameter and weighed 13 and a quarter pounds, shot skyward, penetrating Gage's left cheek. Oh, my God. Ripped into his brain and exited through his skull, like the top of his head. Oh, my God. Landing several dozen feet away. It's not her fault she has a heavy flow and a (laughs) wide-set vagina. Okay, I want you to go to the drive. No. Because I have several photos of this man. Oh, Oh my God. The drawing. 
Um, so there is he a so computer-generated... He his head. I know. Oh, wow. He, like, doesn't. He, like, D-G-A-F. Mm-mm. It went through But also, one of his eyes is brain. shut because he was blinded in one eye because of this. Um, so it shows that the computer-generated illustration shows the trajectory of the rod going up through his cheek... And out the top of his head. He came out looking pretty hot. Yeah, still cute though. Yeah, I was just gonna yeah, say that. He's really cute. Yeah, hey. he's got. He has <laughs> like... One play with a much less dangerous tampon. <laughs> oh my god, bloody bat, Valentine. Bat the string like a little cat. <laughs> oh my god. Get down there. I'm gonna continue. <laughs> Clip's still Also, fine. one of my cats got a little too close to me when I got out of the shower one day, and yep. I was like, oh my god, stop. <laughs> Batman it like a little kid. So that was a funny joke, but it hit a little too close to home for me personally. <laughs> that is disgusting. Oh my god. And it was a fresh one. It was fine. <laughs> All right, anyway. So, though blinded in his left eye, as you can tell from the photos, yeah. he might not have even lost consciousness throughout this ordeal, what? and he remained savvy enough to tell a doctor when he arrived at the hospital, here's business enough for ya. So he made a joke? Yeah. <laughs> With the rod in his head. This guy immensely attracted to him. Oh, yeah. So he is the hot. Tampon- I need to take a bath after this episode. <laughs> so the tampon destroyed much of his left frontal lobe. Frontal lobe. Nah, he oh. don't need it. Part. He's perfect. He don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> Last right. five pounds in my frontal lobe never looked better. Stay with me. Stay with me. No, I'm with you. I'm just also horny for this old man who's been dead for literally hundreds of years. Together, he and I would have two eyes. (laughs) (laughs) You're the one eye, one eye, one eye love. Oh, honey, no. (laughs) Enough. Okay. (laughs) Dr. John Martin Harlow treated him for several months afterwards, and he recorded the psychological changes that were reported from when Gage like before he got oh. slashed with a tampon through the head and Did then Did he after. know him beforehand maybe so he had a little bit of like No, but he interviewed his friends and his family. Okay. Yeah. So here's what he had to say. Gage's friends found him quote no longer Gage. Ooh. The ba- the balance between his quote intellectual faculties and animal propensities seemed gone. Oh god. So he he writes he is fitful, irreverent, Indulging at times in the grossest profanity, which he was not, which, which was not previously his custom. I'm into so it. So he'd fit in really well with us. He should probably be a guest on the show. Yeah. We should have a seance. Oh, <gasps> yes. that could be our, our crossover episode with. Oh no, they won't do it. They won't do Ouija boards. I was gonna say with, and that's why we drink, but they refuse. We'll do it without them. Oh, we'll it do could it be live. our Halloween episode. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, let's start a list of people that have died that we need to contact on Halloween. Sounds okay. good. Also, we all need to be in the same place because I'm not doing that alone. Yeah, no, no, absolutely not. not. Yeah. Mm-mm. We'll okay. make Scott do Anyway. It. So, Gage could not stick to plans. He showed little deference for his fellows. 
the railroad construction company that employed him, which had thought him a model foreman, refused to take him back. Mm. So Gage went to work at a stable in New Hampshire driving coaches. Or Sorry, he worked at a stable in New Hampshire. Then he moved down to Chile and drove coaches Mm -hmm. and eventually joined relatives in San Francisco where he died in May 1860 at the age of 36 after a series of epileptic seizures. Mm. All right. So So, no workman's comp. No. Still let him drive. It was... So I got mixed... Um, information about how he was like when he went to New Hampshire to drive coaches, which uh, one of the authors that I read the article about him on was claiming that driving coaches requires quite a bit of mental capacity. Yeah, Mm because they're challenging to drive. It's not like getting in a car. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So um, some sources that I read uh, said that he had become a, quote, ill-tempered, shiftless drunk. Which was incredible. I love that description. Mm-hmm. Yep. But then other accounts said that, you know, he go he went to New Hampshire, he drove coaches that that required concentration and capable a capable mind. And um others said that his personality didn't actually change for like two or three years after the incident. Okay. So maybe he so, just had so much residual pain that he was drinking, that's you know. Possibly, yeah. Or, like, headaches or something. <clears throat> I don't think you actually have nerve endings in your brain, though. Really? Not that the rest of his face wouldn't hurt, but I don't... If somebody cuts into just your brain, you really don't feel it. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there are surgeries <clears throat> where the patient is still alive while they're working on their brain, and they have, like, Obviously, some probably neural blockers or some sort of localized anesthetic for the actual, like, getting into the skull. But I, mm-hmm. I think, I don't think there are pain transmitters the same way that there are in, like, other parts of your body in the brain. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But where the fuck is Dr. Nandy when we need him? He knows everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, condolences to Dr. Nandy, by the way. His father died recently, so oh. I saw it on Facebook today. Just shout out to Dr. Nandy. Oh. We love you, Dr. Nandy. We love you, we Dr. Love Dr. You. Nandy. Sending you love. So much. Yeah. So sorry. Um, okay, so just a couple of other cases, because, um, I mean, we've gone over the science, but it just covers such a huge swath of information and possibilities of why this happens that... I did I did research a couple cases to sort of show the scope of what could happen. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. Um, so do we all remember JC Dugard who was captured yes. and like held for eighteen years? Oh my yes. god, yes. So Philip Garrido was the dude who held her in his house. Yeah. Um, or in like a little shed in the ba- I don't really remember the details, but he was the one that held her for eighteen years. Mm-hmm. Um it has been reported since that incident, since he was caught, that he w- had been in a motorcycle crash when he was younger, mm-hmm. and that led to, or basically happened around the same time as an addiction to LSD. Interesting. And he oh, wow, he claims yeah. that he he claims that he started to hear voices regularly, and that the drug the LSD quote killed his brain. So. Um, it's sort of been, it's been debated whether the motorcycle accident affected his mind because you're not in your fucking right mind to kidnap a child and keep her for 18 years. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah. Only 18 years because she fucking escaped. Right. Like, keep a person in your house. Yeah. Um, so, several of his family members have, have uh, I don't know about testified in court, but at least told reporters that um, he was completely different before and after his motorcycle accident. So how did, his, how old was he when he got in the accident? Because, uh, you know, schizophrenia could have just set in too you know if he was in like his late 20s early 30s yeah it often presents after 25 like around that time yeah i don't i didn't know i didn't find when the motorcycle accident happened it was just sort of more information from his father this is sort of coming from an interview with his dad and he didn't give many details right but his dad did say um uh, he he fell in with a bad crowd of Mexicans, started Ooh, taking ew. LSD, and it fucked him up. He went nuts. He's not right in the head. I feel sorry for the girl he kidnapped, but Philip is not right in his head. Okay, but the Mexicans then, had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Clearly not. Yeah. That's, clearly not. Let's just be clear. What's a quote from a crazy person's father if it doesn't have a hint of racism in it. You right. Know? Somebody, That's very true. Somebody brown has to get yelled at if yeah. a crazy guy's dad is going to yell. Right. Yep. I mean, right. Some We need a scapegoat, I suppose. Yeah. Good God. <laughs> it's Good. not your dad. It's not your son. God. Okay, so he said, as a child, he would see hippies with long hair, and he would laugh at them. He was a good kid. He formed a band, <laughs> then he played at dances. He was happy and popular. He was he a good kid because he laughed at hippies? <laughs> I think he was trying to say, like, he, he wasn't, wasn't that hippie. kind of kid. Yeah, he wasn't sure. a hippie. He had no interest in this alternative lifestyle. Right. And then he, quote... Had his accident and became hooked on LSD, and it warped his mind. That was terrible. He did weird things after that. He'd hear voices. Yeah. He hears voices still. He's crazy. He's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So, um, just wanted to throw that in there. It's a recent case. We've all heard about it, and mm-hmm. it is possible that hit, that some traumatic brain injury happened in this motorcycle accident, and it caused him to be the way, the monster that he hmm. became. Interesting. All right, we're going to have to look more into that one, I think. That one's <clears> interesting. I just, I'm just touching on a few yeah. of these. And there's another one. Um, this is my, I, I think probably a lot of our listeners listen to This American Life, mm-hmm. and that was actually, this is the first radio show slash podcast that I ever listened to. I think I've listened to almost every single episode, and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of fucking episodes. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of data entry in my younger years, Mm -hmm. so I could could listen to podcasts all fucking day, and I did. Yeah. Uh Um, I still do. So this... It's great. (laughs) This comes from This American Life, episode 492, entitled Dr. Gilmer and Mr. Hyde. Oh, Lord. So I am going to talk about the entire episode... If you would prefer to listen to it from the horse's mouth, Sarah Koenig, mm-hmm. not calling her a horse. No, She's but wonderful. she is a wonderful She's an angel. <laughs> She's f- my fucking hero. Yeah, yeah. I love her Anyway, too. she covers this story so well that mm-hmm. if you just want to skip ahead through my section and just go listen to the goddamn episode yourself, please do so because I'm going to give the entire thing away. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Vince Gilmer was a doctor in Cane Creek, North Carolina at a small town clinic. He was very friendly. All of his patients knew that he was kind, generous, dedicated, um, all the good stuff. And on June 28, 2004, he brutally murdered his own father after voices told him to do so. Oh, I feel like I remember this case. 
He strangled him and then cut off his fingertips to avoid identification. Ugh. So this, basically the frame of this story in this podcast is uh, there is a new doctor that came to this clinic to take over for the old doctor, and the new doctor also happened to be named Dr. Gilmer. Oh. So this really, they're not related. So this really weird coincidence sort of led him into learning more about this doctor and what happened, and then um, he had to come take over the clinic because the first Dr. Gilmer was incarcerated for this murder. Oh. So he yeah. learned more and more about it, talked to people, whatever, and people <laughs> opened up to him more. <laughs> Dr. Gilmer's office under new management. But, yeah. <laughs> oh Dr. Gilmer the second. <laughs> Dr. Gilmer too. So yeah, super G2, bizarre. G two the mighty Gilmers. <laughs> oh my god! I'm already drunk. flying B, flying B, <laughs> flying G. It's kind of like a spiral, but you're too drunk. Oh my god, this is so bad. <clears throat> okay, so what happened? Here's how the murder happened. He picked up his so the original Dr. Gilmer, Gilmer one. He picked up his 60 year old dad from a nursing home. Uh, he had he had alleged later that his father sexually abused him and his sister throughout their childhood, and the father was a Vietnam vet who came home, quote, changed and violent. Okay. So the dad was kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. So Vince Gilmer, number one, picks up his father, taking him to a new nursing home, and he cl- he testified that that day the father in while they were in the car began making disgusting remarks to him in the truck and something in his head just told him to kill his father. Oh my god. So he so he strangled him with a rope, moved the body to the bed of the pickup truck, cut off his fingers and thumbs, all 10 like tips Yikes. so he could not be identified. Yeah. But um, like drove he could the, though cuz teeth. Teeth. Uh, well, obviously teeth, and also because his clothes, Dr. Gilmer had, like, arranged to have all of his father's clothes embroidered with his fucking name. Oh, that's kind of <laughs> cute. I can so see myself doing that. So yeah. instead of having the labels like, cut off the shirts, he had the fingers cut <laughs> off and kept the labels in the shirt. Basically. <laughs> Smooth. So good lord. So he ditched the body, went home, was like chill for a week, and then like the he, the body was quickly found and identified, and Dr. Gilmer was quickly apprehended by the authorities, mm-hmm. and tried. Um, he ended up confessing to the murder. His only defense in court was a lack of serotonin. Okay. So backing up a little bit, it is learned later that prior to the murder. Dr. Gilmer, number one, had been in a car accident. He went to the hospital. He didn't recognize his own wife. Like, it was clear that he had some major brain injuries from this car accident. But then he got better. His memories came back. He seemed to go back to normal. But, like, some people were saying that he still kind of acted odd. Um, He divorced his wife, even though she worked in the same clinic that he did. And he just had no... There was no... Logical thought to, well, if I divorce my wife, we're still going to have to work together. Like, hmm. the whole divorce thing was odd. Well, Everyone kind of thought it was weird. what it wants. <laughs> right. Or doesn't want. Who can argue with a heart in love? So, he is... 
He actually Wait. acts as his own lawyer in court. He does? He does. Yeah. I so love when people represent that themselves. That is the biggest, <laughs> biggest red flag. Red flag, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he, tri- he tried to defend himself and demonstrate that he, it was a lack of serotonin. And he... Um, so if if you have a lack of serotonin, that can cause psychosis. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and he and he had been taking Lexapro, which is an mm-hmm. SSRI, mm. which is a selective mm-hmm. serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which is basically an antidepressant mm-hmm. to help cope with his divorce. But he had stopped taking them suddenly a few days before the murder, and you are not no. supposed to do that. You yeah, wean don't. Off. Yeah, don't. You're do supposed that. to taper off these medications mm-hmm. under doctor supervision. Yeah, like, involve don't. your psychiatrist with mm-hmm. those changes please speaking from experience experience don't <laughs> exactly do that yeah so he said he began hearing voices that were not suggestions they were compulsions hmm. like he would pace he would try to walk off this pressure in his head he said repeatedly his brain was not working right he would bob his head he would shake he'd have mood swings but these details made it hard for people to believe his stories because they seemed very exaggerated and histrionic and, like, it was just sort of... Mm. It, nobody believed them. Mm. So, uh, again, he ended up defending himself in court and got life in prison, obviously. Yeah. Wow. Um, he was also aging, like, really rapid. Like, he just looked horrible. Right. Um, so, so the new Dr. Gilmer, Gilmer 2, studied Dr. Gilmer 1... Um, he also studied other cases that were very similar related to SSRIs and believed that the murder was not premeditated, that it really was due to a lack of serotonin to some degree in some way. Okay. So he just um, snapped because his brain was being fuckety. Because his brain was fuckety. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if the murder was not premeditated, that would change the entire case and the entire conviction. So he was, so he's like working, he's trying to help this guy. So he teamed up with another psychologist who identified that the symptoms matched up with Huntington's disease. Mm. So at first, Dr. Gilmer too was like, well, it was probably the brain injury from the car, blah, blah, blah. But then this other um, psychologist came in and was like, "Um, I think it's not quite that. So they went down this list of symptoms for Huntington's disease and he matched almost every single symptom. Wow. So he so he was diagnosed and he was medicated. He is currently, as far as I know, still in prison, though. Okay, so Huntington's disease. Um, this type of violence, for again, to reiterate, this type of extreme violence is very rare in general, and it is very rare for people who have Huntington's disease or any other kind of disease, and in fact, people with these psychiatric illnesses are far more likely to be victims of violence than right. to be perpetrators. Absolutely. So, again, yeah. just to cover our bases, yeah, yeah. Exactly. the cause. Yeah. Um, so, Huntington's disease is a fatal genetic disorder that causes the progressive breakdown of nerve cells in the brain, and it is, it's both emotional and physical. Right. It deteriorates a person's physical and mental mental abilities, usually in middle age, like between the ages of 30 and 50. Uh-huh. It gets worse over a 10 to 25 year period, and it has been des- it's been described as having ALS, Parkinson's, and Alzheimer's at the same time. Oh wow. my God! It's, I mean, it's oh one God. of the worst. 
one of the worst diseases you could ever have. Wow. Just watch House MD, you guys. And here's the worst part. It, well, the worst part. So as I said, it's fatal. There is no cure for it. Mm. Eventually people die of heart failure, pneumonia, infection, right. choking, etc. Yeah. Like your body just stops. Stops oh. functioning, yeah. Yeah, isn't it? It's just like one portion at a time. They just shut down like dominoes in succession. Wow. It's it's awful. And and, and it's in it's in your brain. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, Yeah, wow. it's your it's yeah, it's like your brain telling these automatic responses to shut off. To shut off. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So any um if if you have Huntington's disease but your part your spouse does not and you have a child, that child has a fifty percent chance of inheriting it. Wow, so it's like very And actually Yeah, so it's definitely genetic and there is a fifty percent chance that your child, assuming your spouse does not have it, the fifty percent chance that your child will get it. So, so it's so it's that, dominant then. So it's basically if two people with Huntington's disease have a child, that child will one hundred percent have Huntington's disease. Yeah, and it's not Huntington's disease itself is not the gene. Everybody has this gene in our brains, in our systems already, but it is actually the gene that triggers it to turn on. Okay. Okay. Is what gets passed down. Um, so they think also that perhaps Dr. Gilmer One's father also had this disease. Okay. Um, which is why he was, you know, molesting his children and why he was in a nursing oh, home at the age of 60. Okay. I mean, that would answer uh, a lot of those questions. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So symptoms include personality changes, obviously, mood swings, depression, forgetfulness, impaired judgment, unsteady gait, involuntary movements, slurred speech, difficulty swallowing, hence the choking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but symptoms vary for each person and there is genetic testing available, but some people just don't want to know. They just don't want to get tested, which made me think, and I'm not passing any judgment because I totally understand why you wouldn't fucking want to know that. Right. But if you're going to have children yourself. Right. Wouldn't the responsible thing to do would be to get tested and fucking know whether your child had a 50% chance of inheriting this too? Oh my god, I can't even imagine. I have I have nightmares about passing diabetes to my kids. This is like a whole other level. Yeah. Yeah, this is a I, fatal psych, like brain disease. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, intense. I don't think we should be passing judgment on, on what a person's responsibility is to get oh, tested. For sure, but my yeah. initial reaction was like, yeah, but if you're gonna have kids, why yeah. wouldn't you yeah. do that? But so, you know what? In, t- know. in 20 years' time, with the advances that they're making with genetic testing and everything, like, every, everyone is going to be getting tested for everything, and yeah. everyone yeah. has the potential to pass down something to their kids. You know, you talk about family mm-hmm. histories and, like, you know, yeah, my family has a history of cancer and a history mm-hmm. of this and a history of that. And, you know, does that mean mm-hmm. I should My dad was kids? one of the first to show diabetes. Like, we have no clue where it came from before him. Right. Yeah. So it's like the book starts here and sorry, it's not, you know, it's it's there whether I want it to be or not. Right. Yeah. And, like, when you talk about um, how everybody is diagnosed with something yep. these days yep. and, yeah. like, some people think that it is a, an environmental, you know, like, 
something's wrong with our world or all of our electronics and all of our chemicals. And it's like, well, it might be that, but also we're just getting the technology to recognize it yeah. and test for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a little column A, column B at work there for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So anyway, that is an extraordinarily well done episode of This American Life. I highly encourage you all to listen to it. It's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the la- the very last uh, TBI-associated disease or affliction that I want to talk about is what Amanda said, CTE, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is stands for Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy, mm-hmm. which was popularized by the Will Smith Smash hit. LOL. (laughs) Concussion. (laughs) This made me hate football even more than I did before, Mm -hmm. so that's great. Um, So according to the Center for Disease Control, about 770% of traumatic brain injuries caused by sports and recreation occur in children 10 to 19 years old. This Mm -hmm. is why we do not exercise. I know, right? It's awful. How many 70%. times do I have to tell you it is dangerous <laughs> to, to move your body. your body in <laughs> any way? <laughs> Other than, Other like, than sex chewing and, and eating. swallowing. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> sex and digestion are the yeah. only acceptable <laughs> forms of calorie burning <laughs> in the Amanda Jacobson workout regimen. <laughs> Oh my god. And one of those acts so. occurs far more often than the other. <laughs> you again get switched. Sometimes they occur at the same time. <laughs> like that one time that Dan and I reheated a bunch of hot stew, ate it in bed, and then made love. Ew. Ew. Oh my god. Oh. Hot stew. Reheated stew. <laughs> it's always better the next day. It really is. Oh. It really is. Oh, my God, you guys, I don't feel well. I can see why that turns you on, to be honest. Thank you. It's a little, it's a little thicker. Stop. <laughs> Foreplay. I'm getting a little thirsty for stew. Stop you let the flavors it. blend. The flavors mature. Yeah, it's got to sit in its own juice. I can talk I can talk about the ten tiers of necrophilia and the guy that fucked his dead mom's like face. I can neck hole, <laughs> neck hole. No pro- neck hole, all that no problem. Have but some talking respect. about Daddy's thirsty and Amanda having sex after a belly full of stew. It's too much. Reheated stew. You have not had a sensual kiss until you could taste <laughs> stew. On your partner's lips. From both holes. <laughs> Their lips are still warm and wet from the recent bite. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did you lick the spoon together? No. no. We had our own bowls and our own spoons. <laughs> We're not heathens. Yeah, We're not we live savages. in a civilized society. <laughs> Okay, I've been majorly derailed with literally two sentences. Yeah, left what were you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what episode is this? <laughs> when talking about CTE on Will Smith. Oh, right, sure, sure, okay. sure. Um, so a study came out really recently that studied the brains of 111 <coughs> former NFL athletes, mm-hmm. so professional football players, and former, obviously, because they're dead, because their brains were. Dissected. Jesus. Okay. Um, 110 
110 out of 111 brains had permanent brain injuries in the form of CTE. So, so all you, but one. So all but one. And this so means you can more, see physical signs of CTE in, during autopsy. Correct. And I actually have a photo on the drive yes. of a comparison between, I think it's a normal brain versus an advanced CTE brain. The Herbert it's, Weinstein brain scan? Nope, that's mine. Uh, it's a black background. Oops. It's not Sorry. the blue one. Normal brain, advanced CTE. I see it. Holy yeah. shit, it's like so a it is, lunkin. It looks it's like significantly a smaller. Yeah. It does remind me of the stir fry I made last night, it's which was brown. delicious, by the it's way. It's not even pink. It's like yellowish. Eh. It is atrophied. It's significantly smaller. It looks like if you just starved a brain. It does. It I looks mean, like it's rotting. Shit. Yeah, it's that is not jarring good. to look at. That's crazy. It's yeah, fucking so terrifying. So when uh, to answer your question from earlier, Amanda, in this specific case with this specific disease, if that's what you want to call this encephalopathy, mm-hmm. yes, you can absolutely tell upon autopsy if you have brain damage like this. Okay. Mm. Wow. Um, so also more, if we're looking at this more broadly, they looked at two hundred and two brains of former football players that played at any level, so at any foot played football at any level, so like D one, professional D3, and otherwise, yeah, for for an average of fifteen years. What about little league? And and found evidence of CTE in one hundred and seventy seven of them. Oh. So one hundred and seventy seven out of two hundred and two. So this is not just NFL. This is not just high level football. Mm-hmm. This is football. That's wow. insane. Wow. Yeah. Think of how many like people, I mean obviously <laughs> in the world who played football or what any related sport that could contribute to these uh injuries. Yeah. I'm drunk. Mm-hmm. Um that have now gone on to become, you know, politicians, police officers, like all these yeah. authorities. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. figures. That could be susceptible, like, trust no one, is all I have yeah. to say. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I, I personally will not judge anyone for making a different decision, but I will never allow my children to play football. Fuck never. No. no. Although, they, if my kids really want to They teach really you to put your play, head down. If, I, like, if my kids really want to play football, I'll be, like, confused whether they're even my children, because... <laughs> That's Dan very, very is so true. not a sports person. I did theater and choir all through high school. <laughs> Dan was in my, band. I'll be like, I don't even know who you are. Uh, go live with your grandmother in New Jersey. Have my fun, kids Mom. are going to come out pale and re- like atrophied and, and half blind. And well, your husband played football, though. Like His whole family are fo- football-y. Right? I think my lazy genetics will overtake his, though. Okay. God, I hope. And yes, he did play football, so I suspect a little touch of CTE in him as well, but Mm -hmm. we'll have to wait till he dies and I open up his brain and look at it to know for sure. Yep. That will happen, for sure. That will definitely happen. Yeah. So, all this talk about mental health, um, you know, these symptoms, these issues, and... It just, it makes me think about all of our listeners who have emailed us, sent us messages about their own issues and obviously Mm -hmm. our own issues. Yeah. And I just want to let you guys know we're super excited to announce that we have our first sponsor for this podcast. Yes. It's about damn time. (laughs) 
So our sponsor is this really incredible company called Talkspace. Yep. And you can sign up for their services. Basically, you can call them. You can text them. You can, mm-hmm. like, video message them. And they have therapists on staff and available whenever you need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Get anything off your chest. Maybe get... Just a second opinion, because I know when I have a problem and I'm only talking to my friends about Mm -hmm. it, yeah, like you're basically in an echo chamber. Yep. Yeah. Like it really benefits talking to a professional or at Mm -hmm. least somebody removed from your situation, depending Mm -hmm. on your circumstances, Mm -hmm. to listen to. Yeah. Um. So we're super super excited to have Talkspace as our sponsor for this week's episode because we really genuinely believe in their mission, which is. That therapy should be affordable, confidential, and convenient, mm-hmm. and we are 1,000% behind that. And mm-hmm. it's important that you have a therapist that is actually kind of tailored to you. So you do go through mm-hmm. a series of, it's sort of like questionnaires to just kind of find somebody that's going to be handpicked for you. If this mm-hmm. person doesn't work out, you could just try somebody else. It's so easy. It's like so the millennial way to access a it's therapist. Genius. It really is. It's absolutely It's totally genius. modern, mm-hmm. like... Yeah. And completely yeah. affordable at only $32 a week to access these people pretty much 24-7, which is incredible. Which is way, way mm-hmm. cheaper than, I mean, the therapist that I went to most recently uh, before we got Talkspace as a sponsor, I could have paid for a whole month of Talkspace for the mm-hmm. fee that I paid for one visit, one hour mm-hmm. with this therapist. And so, it's so much more convenient. It's ridiculous. Oh, it's brilliant. The therapist that I went to in person, I have to drive past a McDonald's each way. That's just to get mean. to her place. Yeah. It's like, you think that when she I'm, did that on purpose. You think that when I'm leaving my therapy appointment, sobbing with mascara running down my face, I'm not going to stop in for a milkshake mm-hmm. and some chicken nuggies? No. Like, of course I am. So tap space is really the healthier option. Yeah. The, um, the cheaper they don't put option. McDonald's in a, as no. an obstacle. And if yeah. you are unsure or you're nervous about the cost, we are running a promo right now. So if you want to go yep. sign up or learn a little bit more, you go to talkspace.com forward slash gals. That's G-A-L. And that's going to get you $30 (laughs) off your first month of using Talkspace. So that's pretty Mm -hmm. awesome, a discount. And it's a nice Mm -hmm. way to support the show. So if you're going to go to Talkspace, I know a lot of other podcasts run ads for Talkspace, but if you use our promo code GALS, uh, then Talkspace knows that we're doing a good job for them and they'll keep sponsoring us. So. And you and get honestly, that $30 off, yeah. <laughs> and honestly, just knowing our listenership and, again, those messages that you guys send us, which we love, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah. We it try just to goes answer to show every that single one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their own issues. Everyone's got their own shit that they're going through. Yep. Us included, for sure. Just got back but, on you the Pam. Holler. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, everyone needs it. This is not just for people who are upset or depressed or you know what have stages of Huntington's disease it's literally everyone mm-hmm. everyone can benefit from therapy and also just like speaking for my own self um we'd had the idea for the podcast for a long time but it was after uh talking with a therapist that I finally was able to get off my ass and do it you know like mm-hmm. it was it was mm-hmm. therapy was the thing that helped me channel my depression and my anxiety into this project which has been so beneficial motivation is everything yeah 
And this this method of just being able to text them or call them or, you know, whatever, you're on your way home from work on the bus or whatever, just shoot them a text message. Like, it's it's built for today's audience, so it's, it couldn't be cooler. It's brilliant. I'm so happy they're sponsoring us. I really believe in them. So that is Talkspace.com forward slash gals. Check it out. Get it. Love it. All right. All right. Um, so that does it for my section. So Kenyon, you're up. Okay. So my case is Herbert Weinstein. I don't know if it's, I think it's pronounced Weinstein. Um, it's pronounced Harvey Firestein. <laughs> might Weinstein. Be, it might be Weinstein. Yeah. I don't know. I'll probably go back and forth. Herbert. Um, How about just Wiener? Herb. Herb Wiener. <laughs> Uh, Wiener is actually a different person in this story. So, oh my God, is there really a Wiener in this story? <laughs> yeah. Stop. Are you serious? Oh my God. It's not important. It's like one of the attorneys care. or something. But yeah, I'm so happy. Oh my God, we're reserving Wiener for the attorney. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so I first heard about this case through a connection on Twitter, actually, um, and so. I followed uh, the author Kevin Davis. He's an mm-hmm. author of true crime uh, nonfiction books, including The Brain Defense, Murder in Manhattan, and The Dawn of Neuroscience in America's Courtrooms. Ooh, okay. Mm. And um, unfortunately, I discovered uh, Kevin Davis and his book uh, too late to read it before we recorded this episode, but he was really friendly. He's sending us a free copy. Uh, All three of us are, like, going to read it. You guys are going to read it. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. Also, just a quick side note, I ordered two books on Amazon yesterday, one of which is about how bodies react after death. Yes. And the other is called Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, and it's like stories from the crematorium. Ooh. And my friend Katie read it, and she fucking loved it, and I'm so fucking excited. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. I, gonna have that. Out there. I love creepy books. <laughs> the best I creepy books are on vacation, and I'm going to be reading my friend Dahmer, so we'll have lots to talk oh. about when we get back. Nice. That's nice. a graphic novel, right? Correct. I have it. Oh, my right? God. Kitty corner for me, and I'm not gonna crack the spine until I get on the plane. Mm, that feels Jealous. so good. I can't wait for that movie. Mm. I can't wait. I know. Oh my god, it looks amazing. Okay, anyway, anyway. So, <clears throat> sorry. Um, so Weinstein is one of the cases covered in uh, the Brain Defense book. Um, and so it takes place in January 1991. The police were called to a high-rise apartment building on East 72nd Street and 2nd Avenue in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. A woman had fallen from a 12-story window to her death. Um, yeah. So, and the police were able to pretty quickly figure out that she had fallen or possibly jumped from the 12th story because it was January in New York and so all the windows were closed and then when they looked up there was like one open window. You know, so they were like, okay, it's probably from the 12th floor. Um, Jesus. So initially it looked to police like a dramatic public suicide. Um, Is that that like a nice area of town too? Yeah, it's the upper, it's the upper east side. uh Um, It's, I don't, I don't know about in 1991, like, but now I'm sure then it was pretty much the same, but it's like a nice fairly residential, um, wealthy part of Manhattan. Yeah, for sure. It's like nice, bigger apartments, 
pre-war apartments, whatever. So um, you, you have money if you live mm-hmm. there. Yeah, for sure. Upper East Side is like a whole moniker in New York of like having money. There are certain gossip def- girl, right? XOXO, <laughs> XOXO, the wedding crime gals. Oh um, no! Oh no! Shit. <laughs> we didn't copy that. I swear to God. I mean, Although I loved Gossip Girl in high school, yeah, we, we didn't did, though, though. Because if we copied them, that means my ninety. Well, no, now one hundred year old grandma who still puts XOXO <laughs> also copied it from Gossip Girl, which she did not. Also, I'm going to have to um, retract about 180 shipments I've already sent out writ- with a handwritten XOXO on them. <laughs> okay, fine. We didn't copy it from Gossip Girl, even though I started it, and we definitely copied it from Gossip Girl. We did. Why would you do that? Because <laughs> I love Gossip Girl. So anyway. Um, now we have to pay them royalties. No, we don't. Okay, so. All right. Uh... They thought it was probably a, a public suicide, and in fact, the initial 911 call was from, like, a passerby on the street who saw this, like, fucking gruesome dead body on the sidewalk. Oh, can you even imagine? Yeah, falling 12 Did anyone stories. see it land? I'm kind of fascinated with how bodies react oh, Lucy. to landing like that. I don't know if anyone saw her land. Seriously, we should do a whole episode on the forensics of that. Yeah. Okay. And if you guys don't want to, I'll do it by myself. How she landed, <laughs> Lucy, Lucy Fitzgerald story. <laughs> Just creepy shit. I want to research. That's it. Ick. That's that's what it's called. I love it. I already have it. Okay, you've already got the whole thing, the tagline, everything. Um, I have all my notes. Okay, so uh, a passerby saw the dead body on the sidewalk, called nine one one, and the way that the nine one one person translated it to the police dispatch was that they have a jumper so like wires got a little bit crossed but they they were like somebody jumped okay the victim was a redheaded woman in a blue nightgown um she was 56 year old barbara weinstein weinstein Mm -hmm. Uh, Barbara Wiener. was <laughs> Barbara was married to Herbert, who was sixty five years old. He's a retired ad exec uh, from New York. Ooh, cradle he's, robber. He's Don Draper. Ten yeah, she's fi- difference in the marriage here. Mm. Um, she's fifty six. He's sixty five. I don't feel like that's cradle too, robbing. Yeah, too crazy. Um, he was tall, in good shape for his age, and had uh, like a, a wash of white hair. Ugh. Okay. So I'm spinning a tail. Um, <laughs> even though he was retired, he maintained a handful of advertising clients for extra income. So he was still kind of like working occasionally, but mainly retired. Um, people who knew him described him as being reserved, quiet, unassuming, um, which I kind of feel like is the description of everyone that ends up being yeah. a murderer. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, anyway, uh, by most accounts, Herbert and Barbara were happily married, and Herbert called their marriage, quote, the envy of most of my married friends. Weird, but okay. Oh, okay. So keeping up okay. appearances was probably important to him. Well, or they had a really or good marriage. Or it actually was fine. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, she was actually his second wife, um, they had been married for eight years. His first wife, with whom he had grown children, um, 
previously died of cancer. So he was a widower and then married his second wife, Barbara. Okay. Okay. Okay, so when police arrived on the scene, they asked the building's doorman if they knew who the woman might be, and one doorman told police that he wasn't sure, but it might be Barbara Weinstein since she lived on the 12th floor, and her husband was currently in the lobby, quote, acting strangely. Oh, God. What? Oh, my yeah. God. Sure enough, Herbert was in the lobby carrying a briefcase. Police asked him if he was going anywhere. He said he was going to work, but that he was looking for his wife, who wasn't in their apartment, and she hadn't kissed him goodbye, which was unusual. Okay. Oh. So police asked Herbert to go upstairs with them because they were like, oh, you live on the 12th floor. Let's go upstairs, sir. And uh, in the elevator, an officer asked Herbert how he had gotten uh, some scratches on his face. Oh, God. And Herbert said that he had played a recent game of football, and that's how he got the scratches. Uh, Okay. Which the officer was, like, surprised because he's 65, but he also seemed to be in pretty good shape, so it wasn't, like... Sure. Flat so out he impossible. definitely has CTE also. I don't know if he played football more than just recreationally, actually. I should have looked that up. I don't know. Doesn't matter. 177 out of 202 brains. Yeah. Yeah. Non-professional. Statistically, right. he is likely to have CTE, is what you're saying. Lucy? It's what I'm alleging unreasonably. Speculate yeah. wildly. Yeah. Yeah. That's my job from now. My job's over. I'm just the peanut gallery at this point, so I'm drinking a massive glass of wine. Yeah. Take that how you will. If he has CTE, it is the least of his problems. Okay, good. Oh, my God. I will allow you to continue with your story. Okay, so... (laughs) So once inside their apartment, the the detectives noticed bloodstains on the carpet near the open window. Okay. And so they began to question Herbert further. And this time... She loosened her tamping iron. (laughs) It was... I was playing with her tampon, batting at it, swatting at it, and it just came right out. The cat got out. (laughs) The next thing I know, there's blood all over the carpet. And my wife is gone. What are you going to do? She didn't kiss me goodbye. Okay. Okay, so so they're questioning him more, and they ask again about the scratches, and this time he says that they were from shaving. Uh Uh-huh. But they kind of like, they kind of like a new detective asked him and it sounded like the new detective was like, where'd you get those scratches? Shaving? And he was like, yeah. I love that he assumes that none of the detectives will communicate with each other and he can just make a new story. (laughs) Yeah. That's how it went down. Within minutes. Oh my god! And and then it's the, the same detective. And then the detective was like, "That's unlikely because I think some of the scratches were like under his eyes." Mm-hmm. Well, and he I have never so many stray eyebrows, you guys. Like I could see that <laughs> under your eyes. I tweeze from all over my face. Like I get hair oh, in yeah. the weirdest places. Yeah, my chin hairs are. It's 
it's kind of amazing just like the strength of those whiskers. Oh my god, they're mm. tough. Bastards. I love they're so pulling those out. Uh, it's I love pulling so them satisfying. out. It hurts so much. It hurts so good. <laughs> it hurts so good. Yes, it does. It hurts so good. It's like pulling Zach. pieces of wire out of your face. Uh, <laughs> Zach and I, when we travel, we fight over who gets the good tweezers. Like, oh, no, you got god. them last time. Like, <laughs> oh my god, buy another pair of tweezers. They're That's never weird. as good. We have like ten pairs. There's this I'll one pair. Take some. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um oh. the tech the detective is like, really? You got those scratches shaving? And Herbert's like, well, I have sensitive skin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's why I was shaving on my eyelids. Well, my <laughs> eyeballs are sensitive, so when I shave them, I get nipped. <laughs> Maybe that should be the next button. Just the uh sound. How do you spell H U W H H U E H H H? All right, too long for a button. Okay, so detectives uh, plan to check whether Barbara had any blood matching Herbert under her fingernails. So they're, like, making a note, like, these could be defensive wounds, right? Mm-hmm. Blood was also quickly found on a pair of Mr. Weinstein's slippers, mm. and there was bruising on his hands. You okay. did it. You bruising did it. on your hands? What? Yeah, let's. Just arrest him. My God. (laughs) Okay. So uh, then a witness came forward and told another officer who then relayed the information to the detectives that she had seen a man push a woman out of the window. Okay. (laughs) Looking pretty grim for Weinstein. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So they put this to Herbert. And this is all happening very quickly. They're all still at the apartment. Okay. He, so she died, like, a couple hours ago. At Max. Most. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, he hasn't called a lawyer, and, you know, he's, like, he's an ad exec. He's well-to-do. He's educated, you know. He could have asked. He's he know, pompous. He, he knows that he could have called a lawyer, you know. Yeah. He knows his mm-hmm. rights, whatever. Doesn't call a lawyer. Hasn't been formally charged with anything, and they're like, well, you know, this isn't looking good, and this isn't looking good, and someone saw a man push her out the window, and he's just, he just confesses. (gasps) Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So he goes, uh, we'd been arguing, she scratched my face, I hit her, she fell to the bed and then fell on the floor, and then I grabbed, this is not a direct quote, but this is like, what it what happened sure a generalization of what happened yeah I grabbed her by the throat and then she was motionless and I realized she was dead and I didn't mean for it to go that far um and then I panicked and I tried to clean up the blood and I shoved the bloody bed sheets from the hitting and scratching I'm assuming um in a bag and I hid them in the front closet which is like oh my god nice yeah they'll never see it there They'll never yeah. check front. the front closet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and then he dragged his wife over to the window, opened the window, got half of her out, and then, like, hoisted the other half out and shoved her out the window to make it look like either an accident or suicide. My God. So she was already dead. She was already dead. She'd been strangled. Jesus Christ. So... 
he, yeah, he just confesses, like, as right away after the police get there, okay? So they take him into custody, obviously. Um, police kind of think, like, all right, well, this is wrapped up, and a police spokesperson told reporters soon after, like, Apparently, there was some kind of family dispute, and she became unconscious, and then he threw her out the bedroom window. Like, end wow. of story, right? Yeah. Jesus. But people started to question how this could possibly be, like people that knew him and also his defense, because Herbert had no criminal record, he had no history of violent behavior. Friend said he didn't even have a temper. Like, he was always, like, pretty calm and measured. Um, again, like, their marriage seemed to be pretty good. They've been married for eight years. Um, yeah. They didn't have kids together. They only had grown children from their first marriages. Um, but also, like, their fir- his first marriage, at least, ended by her dying. Like, that wouldn't be a red flag because he was yeah. a widower. Right. His wife died of cancer. Like, he didn't, yeah. you know, it's not like she died mysteriously, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They and were- they've been married for eight years. Yeah. Like, that's a good chunk of time. And none of their friends said anything about any abuse or anything, which doesn't mean right. that it couldn't have happened. Sure. But... No one knew about it if it was happening. Yeah, or okay? suspected anything. Yeah. So some people speculated that maybe there were financial motives because his wife had some money independently, and I could not find out what she did for a living. Um, there was almost no information about her online, and her name is common enough that it was very difficult to find information about her. Um, that sucks. Yeah, but... So some people speculate maybe there's financial motives or maybe he had, like, gambling debts. Could not find any more information about this, okay? Okay. Some people speculated that they had been cooped up at home for too long over the holidays. Oh, that'll make you kill your wife. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Because the murder happened the first week in January, so some people were like, well, those 12 days of Christmas... Very dangerous. <laughs> They'll get you. Too ya. many in-laws. Too yeah. many in-laws. Yeah. Herbert apparently told people that his wife had been down because uh, the New Year's Eve party that they were planning to attend was uh, called off. But, like... Oh, okay. Oh, poor thing. Like, but what? Yeah. Some people said... Um, Herbert told police that they had been arguing and that the argument was about his grown son with his first wife, um, about his weight. Um, weight? So, so Barbara apparently made I'm a, assuming he was too thin. Too fat. <laughs> too fat. Barbara had made a comment about how his son, Nelson, was overweight and, um... Uh, had taunted taunted Herbert about this, and Herbert apparently had been overweight as a child and been bullied about it. So some people said mm-hmm. that he had repressed rage from childhood and that this was a trigger for him and it set him off. Uh-huh. I mean, that would probably set me off, too. <laughs> but, like, what a fucking stretch to have somebody with no history of violence or even of a temper to be like, you're right. calling my son fat out the window. Yeah, you don't throw it right. out the window. Right. Yeah. Defenestrate. Like, it's craziness. Such a good word. Okay. 
So um, none of these explanations seemed entirely plausible given Herbert's history and personality. So initially he's charged with second-degree murder, but his defense team quickly begins exploring an insanity defense. Okay. So they bring in a slew of psychologists to examine him, and all of them agree that he seems perfectly fine, if not maybe a little too calm. Oh, God. Given the circumstances. Okay? That always so he's creeps just, me out. I mean, I'm sorry, yeah. but I'm a, I'm a highly emotional person. And while yeah. I feel like I do respond well under, like, stressful situations, my decompression after that direct threat has passed is basically right. to have a complete meltdown. <laughs> yeah. So I just I can't yeah. identify with somebody who can stay so stoic through such a tragedy. Right. I just can't. Especially. Especially when confronted with being accused of murdering your wife mm-hmm. of eight years. Oh, I'd be right. going completely by throwing insane. Her, by strangling her and then throwing her out a fucking window. Yeah. Right. Like, so he just yeah. seemed completely neutral, they said. It like he, me out. he was coherent. He understood what was going on. He understood the context. He could remember things. He could recall things, you know, like, but he just was completely neutral. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so finally, a doctor, a psychologist, recommended uh, to have brain scans done to determine if he was suffering from any neurological impairment. Okay. So they do an MRI and a PET scan, a positron, positron emission tomography. Oh. I'm giving you a positron emission. No. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, Wine and crime after dark. (laughs) Phineas Gage gives me a positron emission. Raw. Raw. Okay, so these scans revealed a large subarachnoid cyst, which is a growth in the web-like lining between the brain and the skull, which I did not know existed. Oh, wow. But apparently there's yeah, a... Yeah, it's like your cushion. Yeah. Okay, I mean, it makes sense. I just never thought about it. But yeah, mm-hmm. so there's a large cyst in, the, in between his brain and his skull causing okay. severe damage to his left frontal lobe. Please oh go look at photos. No. So the photo <laughs> of, like, the blue brain next to the, like... Oh, the one I looked at by accident? Yeah. Next. <laughs> Holy shit. Do you see it? It looks like there's just a hole in yeah, it looks his like brain. Pac Man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's the cyst? That's the cyst. Holy oh shit. Oh my god. Do you guys remember? Oh, this was in like 2000, I want to say like 2007 or something. There was this French dude who was complaining of headaches. Yes. And he went to the doctor and had a, a scan like this done, and it turns out that, you know how, like, babies have water on the brain yeah, sometimes? Yeah. And it, like, compresses your brain matter? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He apparently had water on the brain to such an extent that it, that it mushed all but 10% of his brain. <gasps> no. Yeah. He yeah. was operating at 10%, but he was, like, a middle-aged dude. Like, he was He was, fine. like, living like, his life, yeah. 
Yeah, it so just it just the over same t- as most middle-aged white men, just around ten. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it had it had evolved at such a low rate that his brain was just able to like like compensate, take it, yeah, like compensate for it. And oh my god, we. Kenyon, I think you yes. and I stumbled across this yes. article at the same time, and we were making jokes about how what his wife must have been like. Oh, I fucking knew it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I told you. I told you you were an idiot. Oh, oh my god. Ten <laughs> percent of his brain. I mean, to me, that oh just shows god. how absolutely incredible the human brain, the human brain is. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's so cool to, to live a pretty normal it. life. Yeah. With that. Oh, they had, like, kids. I'm pretty sure they had, like, kids. Yeah. He had, like, a regular job. There was, yeah. like, a middle-class family. I don't want to know how much really of my normal. brain I He just had with. some headaches. Mm. Yeah, he went in for, like, headache complaints. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. They're Unreal. like, I, I don't know. Here's some aspirin. Like, I don't know, sir. Oh, oh, God. Oh, God damn it. 90% of your brain is not working. They can oh probably link that dude to, like, all of the unsolved murders in France oh, yeah. in the last, like, 20 right. years, right. for sure. I have some headaches, <laughs> which are, like, a little bit inconvenient, and I've murdered 400 people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 403? 40, 405? I'm not, I can't, I can't recall. Yeah. But it's but not, not my fault. <laughs> but not because these physical impairments don't necess- necessarily right. imply Smooth. violent behavior. Smooth. Smooth. I'm drunk. <laughs> covering our bases. Anyway, back so to drunk. Herbert and how basically like a fourth of his brain is is gone because there's this massive cyst. <laughs> um, it's just Herb. a bite mark taken out. It literally it's, looks like a it's bite a literal out of a bite cookie. Mark. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it looks like. <laughs> That's how you piss off your sister. Take a bite. You want a cookie? cookie? Here you it's go. It's amazing. Oh, wait. That's someone's brain. It's so good. Okay. Okay. So it's in his left frontal lobe. We talked about the importance of the frontal lobe earlier, but I'm going to get into it more here. So, I love it. Uh, this area controls the executive functions. So um, the ability to reason, to plan, um, all your like cognitive powers, um, so it can it can fuck up your reasoning, and it can also uh, fuck up your judgment, insight, foresight, and uh, crucially, impulse control. I might have a frontal lobe injury. <laughs> <laughs> That's ticking some boxes. A lot of boxes. Strikes a chord. Um, no, but I mean, it kind of makes sense when you think about how, like, they're having, like, a pretty low-level argument. Yeah. Suddenly. It escalates so high. It escalates because he has no impulse control. And then his reasoning isn't making sense. So he's like, oh, I'll just hide this stuff in the front closet and I'll chuck mm-hmm. her out the window. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I'll go loiter in the lobby. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. He was not thinking this out. Yeah. No. He had a low tolerance for frustration. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, Jesus. so um, so this brain scan is, like, pretty compelling evidence, right? So there, the prosecution has, has charged him with second-degree murder. They're at the pretrial jury selection mm-hmm. phase, but the, they, the prosecution decides that they want to get him to do a plea deal mm-hmm. uh, because they don't want to risk... 
They said even though they were not convinced by these brain scan images, they didn't want to bring the case before a jury because they thought that there was a chance that they would find him just completely not guilty and he would get off completely because of these brain scans. That's interesting Um, feedback from a prosecution team because typically they do want to get their client off. No. No, the defense would want to get him off. Oh, right, right, right. The prosecution wants him to go to jail. Right, right. You're right. I'm drunk. Right. So the prosecution is like, oh, we don't want to <laughs> risk it by going to trial. So at the last minute, they're like, okay, if we drop the charges from murder to manslaughter, will you take a plea deal? Mm-hmm. And he agrees. Um, so this was the first time in the United States that a brain scan had been used to mitigate the sentence of a confessed killer. Wow. Oh, that's big. Yeah. Yeah. So he pleads guilty to manslaughter, and he was sentenced to a minimum of seven years in prison. Okay. Okay? So you might think, like, oh, okay, well, this is... He basically, like, got off because of this brain scan defense and, like, best possible scenario for this guy, right? But because of the brain defense, every time Weinstein came up for parole... He was denied. Oh, because he's oh. still dangerous as long as he has this injury. Right. So was he was he sentenced to seven years, the minimum, or what, what was he sentenced to? He was sentenced to a minimum of seven years, but could like I get it uh, could be longer based right? on parole. Like right. what was the mat? I mean, I don't know. This is, he could be in there for life. I don't know. It just said a minimum of seven years, but then I'll tell you how long he ends up serving. Well, and it's almost infinite if he never gets, if he never gets approved for parole. Exactly. Yeah. Fuck off if they never find you to be safe enough to reintroduce to society. But apparently they did, based on what Kenyon just said. Sure. Right. So he's up for parole like multiple times. Like, year after year, and he keeps getting denied, even though he's in his 70s, because the reasoning is that he still has this massive cyst in his brain, and if it caused him to kill his wife, then it could very likely cause him to commit murder again, if given the opportunity, right? Could they not remove it? I guess Your brain doesn't grow back, though. No, It doesn't restore what... Your brain is missing. I you know? suppose. I Maybe suppose. the risk of taking it out was bigger than leaving it in, or I don't right. know. You if would it's you wouldn't operate on a seventy year old man to remove a cyst in your brain that's overtaken your brain. If, I don't think that they would do operations McCain. on that. Literally mm-hmm. John McCain though. I mean, but oh that's not God. a benign tumor, that's cancer. This is a benign right. cyst. This is not cancerous. Right. So right. the risk right. of it spreading. But they it's shouldn't very take different. it out. Right, they can't exactly. take it. They can't restore the brain. That's that's what been I'm saying. It's away. probably not worth them taking it out because it didn't show any signs of cancer or precancer. Oh, yeah, would be my for assumption. Sure. They'll leave it. They'll leave it. Right. We need to get somebody in here with a science background because we don't know shit. Can I yeah. just leave the show that's and a doctor reason. can take my place? <laughs> no. Because I have so many questions. You're everyone's spirit animal. You can't leave the show. I'm either people's okay. favorite or people hate me. You'd be making 50% of our audience happy. 
Which I feel like it's pretty good odds. Nobody can tell me and Lucy apart, though, so you're good. We can't carry the show by ourselves. People can't detect the differences. Fine, I'll stay, but we need to move this to four hosts with a doctor on board. Dr. Nandy. Nandy. Okay, no, we need to sign up for Talkspace so we can text Mm. a professional (laughs) during recording. Be like, can you set us straight? About this weird brain cyst. I know it's in your wheelhouse. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so uh, obviously you can't use a brain scan to predict future behavior or recidivism because that's like fucking minority report. Right. Right. Is that the right movie? I think so. That's the one with Tom Cruise, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Then yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's the one with Ryan Phillippe? I don't know. Okay, whatever. Okay. Cruel uh, intentions. Cruel intentions. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. The only one with Ryan Phillippe. <laughs> okay, so Weinstein is finally granted parole in 2006 after serving 14 years. Mm-hmm. No. So, okay. I don't so, know why I'm feeling sympathy for well, him. Well, that's twice that as long as... felt like a blow. That felt like a blow. It's double it's twice as his long. minimum sentence. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he fucking killed someone, so maybe yeah. I shouldn't feel too bad for him. Yeah, I feel like I'm just looking at his is... brain scan right now, and like, yeah. oh, that's too bad. Yeah, see, it probably would have swayed a jury, you know? But anyway. swayed me. Uh, I'm easily swayable after a <laughs> bottle of wine, though. Is there a be... bar at the courthouse? <laughs> that would no. be an amazing update. To like how trials are run in the states, just like, get, everyone get needs the to be jurors drunk. drunk afterwards to like discuss the case. In my case, oh maybe to more authentic it, responses. Just saying, that filter is gone. If it's uh, truly a trial by my peers, they would all need to be a bottle in. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> oh, why isn't that allowed? <laughs> All right, so this country is bullshit. Herbert had been a model prisoner. He had tutored other inmates. He had shown no signs of violent behavior in prison. So that was another thing. It was like it's after the fact, so it doesn't really matter because you know he can't be like prosecuted again for the same crime. But it's yeah. like if you're able to like Catherine Zeta Jones. If you're if you're able to like Ashley Judd, keep your shit together oh, sorry. for 14 years <laughs> after, then like maybe this cyst didn't cause you to kill your wife. Maybe you maybe. just fucking killed your wife. Yeah. So he's released in 2006, and then he dies in 2009. So he was free oh. for three years. I don't know what he died of. Um, he died of a cookie bite to the brain <laughs> is what he died of. A cookie bite. <laughs> it's a fucking cookie monster ad. Yeah. Is what it is. It it's is. actually making me hungry. So, um, <laughs> cr- cr- critics say that uh, using brain injuries as a defense in criminal trials is, quote, prostituting science to sway juries for the purposes mm. of the defense. But and there's some truth to those injuries causing yes, issues. Yes and no. But here's, I'm just giving the, like, other side argument, right? Yeah. Fine. So the, the prosecutions, <laughs> so the prosecution, but again, it never went to trial, but the prosecution hired a forensic neuropsychologist 
Neuro nerd. In yeah, <laughs> in the lead up to in their like preparation, right, to try to counter this. And um, the guy's name is Daniel Martell, and he criticized the use of brain scan imagery to influence juries, and he dismissed it as the quote Christmas tree effect. So he said, quote. People ooh and ah at the pictures, but it doesn't tell you anything about the person's behavior. We didn't Since ooh and ah. We ooed and ah. I ooed and ah. I know we oh, did. Oh. I hemmed and hawed. We ooed and ah. Yeah, we ooed and ah. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. So since uh, the ni- he says since the 1990s we've been much better at generating cool pictures than we have been at explaining what they mean. Mm. Cool pictures. So he's not who is wrong. This? He's not wrong. He's a neuro nerd. He's a forensic neuro nerd. I mean, yeah, it's a cool picture, but. Yeah. yeah. I mean, your brain is gone. But what he's saying is if you're showing that photo to a room full of people who have no background in, like, neuropsychology. Right. All it does is... Who have not is, listened to my segment. Well, right. But all it does <laughs> right. is paint a picture of, of a defendant that we don't really have a true understanding of. We look at that picture, it looks insane to us. But we don't right. really have a true understanding of what that means, like, what that, what that correlates to. And, That's and actually not, very true. And it's not going necessarily back to French, predictive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going, going back, back to the French, French dude guy. who was missing 90% of his brain but was fucking fine. Right. Totally normal behavior. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, I think he kind of has a point. It was interesting, at least. But it's hard not to look at the picture and just be like, oh, my God, this guy had no control of anything. And, like, of course he killed her. You know? Yeah. Cookie Monster right. ate your brain. Yeah. All right. That's my case. Cookie. That's Herbert. Her, my girl. Okay. <laughs> my case is shorter and less interesting than Kenyon's. <laughs> Your case is that French usual. dude's brain yeah. of a case. We're but like, something crazy happened discussed. to it, but maybe he was fine. We don't know. <laughs> I'm at 10%. Functioning <laughs> <laughs> at 10%. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm at 15 right now. Okay. I'm at max 22. Yeah. So, Stacy Fawcett was a food critic and contributor on her local Texas news station. Fawcett. She had two sons, McCann, who was 19, and Josiah, who was 17. Okay. The boys were well-loved, athletic, good students, and really didn't appear to have a history of behavioral issues. Oh, God. That is, oh, which implies that they later had behavioral yeah. issues. <laughs> Next paragraph. <laughs> that is, until McCann, the older oh, no. son, experienced <laughs> a serious concussion while playing basketball in 2015 hmm. for Plano West High School. Plano. Jesus. Plano? I think it's Pla- Plano, Plain Texas. Old West. Plain Old Plato West. <laughs> okay. Plato West. Uh, you, you probably are wrong, but I really don't, I don't care. <laughs> Weinstein Weinstein. Plano. 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 
All right. All right. Following his injury, <laughs> McCann's mental health took a turn for the worse. A few mm. months after his basketball injury, he got into a fistfight at school where he sustained a second concussion. Uh-oh. So he's now had Jesus. two in the span of about three months. Okay. After Pull graduating high school, he remained at home and did not go to college, which could really describe me as well, but the way that I was reading about him implied that he experienced some challenges after his head injuries that kept him off of that track. Okay. To be and clear. You went to college. I went to after college. High school. Just not yeah. for very long. Um, You're fine. That's neither here nor there. I'm basically a doctor. Don't worry about it. (laughs) In April of 2016, officers were called to their Texas apartment complex at 1230 in the morning. 19-year-old McCann had gone on a rampage. Oh, no. Stabbing his 45-year-old mother and 17-year-old brother with a kitchen knife that he'd grabbed from a drawer to death. No! McCann himself called 911 after stabbing them, saying, quote, I have committed murder. I killed them. Oh, my God. (coughs) Athletics are deadly. That's what I'm saying. Do not exercise. (laughs) That's the message of this episode. I can't believe it was from basketball. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. Any kind of exercise. It sounds like that concussion was from basketball, but I think he played an array of sports. It sounds like he also played football, but... Mm I really think, I would argue that soul cycle could also lead to homicide. Just mm-hmm. cycling. Absolutely. Sit-ups, push-ups. It's bad. Crunches. There was a Lululemon murder. <gasps> Don't exercise. <gasps> was there really? Okay. Yeah, okay. We'll get into Keep it. Keep it okay. focused. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> Don't work out. Okay. Do not work out. <laughs> While on the phone with yourself. police, McCann began stabbing himself in the stomach repeatedly. <gasps> With what? On the oh, phone, oh, oh, with police. on the phone, with on the, the phone. Knife. So I thought, I thought they were there. I was like, no. how'd, they, how'd they let him keep the knife? No. Okay, I get it. He was on the phone. On the phone? Officers arrived, and he oh. was alive when police arrived on the scene, but he died in the hospital later the same day. Oh, no. <gasps> Stabbing yourself in the <clears throat> gut is like the slowest oh, death. Sounds awful. Sounds awful. And it's <sighs> so painful. Oh, I'd imagine. God, I wouldn't ow. know. I've never stabbed myself in the stomach. Um, a family friend <laughs> stated, quote, the McCann I knew, he would never do something like that. He loved Josiah. He loved his mom. But his mom, Stacy's brother, so his uncle, um, a guy named Scott Fawcett, noted his nephew's mental health completely dwindled away after his injury. Shit, man. Quote, his brain will absolutely show CTE the same thing the NFL does. Mm-hmm. McCann's brain was brought to UT Southwestern Medical Center for analysis. A slight depression and slightly flattened ridges were detected in the front right portion of the brain, which some experts say could have attributed to his or could have been attributed to his two brain injuries in the previous year. Okay. Autopsy also found antidepressants in his blood. He reportedly began taking medication in the months following his first head injury, so it affected his mood. 
And he okay. went on antidepressants after his first head injury. Okay. Did he stop taking them abruptly? No, no. They were still in his system at his autopsy. Um, if anything, there were higher levels than there may have should have, there maybe should have been. Okay. There are also conflicting reports on McCain's autopsy. Some citing the flattening and depression of the of the folds in and that area of the front right of the brain as a possible uh, contributor to his violent behavior, because that's a pretty clear um, representation of brain injury, like sustained mm-hmm. head trauma. Yeah. But other reports stated that no brain injury or, like, not enough of a brain injury was found, and the attack was likely a chemical imbalance and possibly too much of the antidepressant in his system. And Shit. I And so ah. there's really no concrete answer to this particular case, but my theory is that it's a little bit of both. That mm-hmm. he clearly, he, he sustained two concussions within three months he has some physical evidence of trauma to the front of his brain mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. on antidepressants which even in somebody without having experienced head trauma just that chemical imbalance like there's in the fucking commercials for zoloft it says like can, can mm-hmm. cause suicidal or like homicidal tendencies like yeah, you have to find the right... If you need meds, you have to find the right meds Correct. for you and the right dose. Like, Correct. I Just from changing my dose of what I take slightly, it completely fucked with my sleep. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was like an insomniac for a while. Like, it can have serious, serious side effects, and that was within the same medication and just yep. slightly changing the dose. It's a chemical you know? alteration and- of your brain. Mm-hmm. And it changes as you develop a tolerance Correct. or as you, mm-hmm. you know, grow one way or the other. Like, you have to mm-hmm. monitor So that at this shit. point, he's yeah. a 19-year-old boy. He's not done growing. He's not done developing mentally. He's been taking this medication for upwards of eight months. He's sustained two concussions. He has mm-hmm. physical evidence of damage to the front of his brain. I, mm-hmm. I think all of it contributes to the possibility yeah. of, of this outburst. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, granted, it's two random people in the world, so what kind of documentation of, like, previous, you know, violence is going to exist? But the, uh, there's nothing. There's nothing right. that shows yeah. that he had a history or a pattern of violent behavior. Nothing. Right. Mm. He was, he, by all accounts, he seemed like a totally normal teenager who then sustained this trauma and, like, everything started to change. Shit, man. So maybe it was like we said at the very beginning, like, the trauma, like, subtly according to, like, a scan or an autopsy, but affected some neural transmitter Mm -hmm. and then made it impossible for him to, like, receive these normal signals. Yeah, I mean, you try to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that that didn't happen. I could right. yeah like the the uh antidepressants that he was on depending on if there was damage to these neurotransmitters mm-hmm. we talked about maybe yeah. the drugs he was taking didn't work the way they were supposed right. to yeah. because of the way his brain was changed and exacerbated an existing issue right yeah and think about you know again not a doctor so I can't speak to how long it takes a brain to heal but mm-hmm. 
two concussions within the span of three months, and then within a year you've killed your little brother and your mom? Like, could antidepressants, and please answer this question, anybody listening, if you know, could antidepressants interfere with the healing process of the brain and cause some bizarre behavior or, like, cause some shift in in thought process in general just because your brain is trying to heal itself while a medication is also playing a role in altering your brain's chemistry. I think it's all related. That's totally, that's a very valid question. Mm-hmm. I would be shocked if the scientific community even has an answer for that question I, They likely so don't, because oh, yeah. every, brain sure. is, every brain for is sure. different. But right. I just think it's interesting and to take into so account. Much, and there's so much controversy with the, within this entire topic itself, mm-hmm. just because you're... Yeah. We're just not advanced enough to know these answers for sure, black and white, yes or no answers. Yep. We're just, we just, we're not there yet. And unfortunately, right. I mean, this, this boy who, he himself was a boy, he was 19, and his little brother lost his life, his mother lost his life, and his dad, I guess you could say, depending on perspective, was either in the right place at the wrong time or the wrong place at the wrong time. He wasn't home. Did so. he live at home? Yeah. The dad lived at home? Yes, but he he was Jesus. gone that day. So oh, he, okay. I was assuming that he wasn't in the picture. No, okay. his his father was still involved in their life, and he was left devastated. His his family is... His oh, entire family. Is gone. Oh, my God. What a fucking... Oh, mm-hmm. that's awful. That is awful. Yeah. So Man. it's a very tragic situation, but also a very fascinating conversation about... Just how the brain works and the chemistry of the brain and what factors mm-hmm. can contribute to that and how the brain healing will have an effect and so yeah. I mean again the, I have a case with and no take clear concussions answer. seriously so like when seriously. we were growing up concussions it was like oh whatever you feel fine Sleep go it take off. a nap <laughs> yeah yeah nowadays oh, like don't take a nap no we know no that I now. don't if you that, that was the joke. Yeah, now we know. Oh, no. When when I was younger and I do I would go ice skating with my dad cuz he played a lot of hockey. Mm-hmm. Never played hockey. Mm-hmm. Went ice skating like a half a dozen times. Good but girl. one time I fell backwards and hit my head on the ice really hard and I I was in 3rd or 4th grade mm-hmm. and I went to school the next day for mm-hmm. I, like I thought I was fine. Like I went to bed that night, went to school the next day. And my dad said, if you start feeling, t- like, sleepy at all, go to the nurse, don't go to sleep, yeah. call the doctor. Yeah. Like, it was a very real thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that might have just been because my dad played knew hockey when it. he was younger, and he knew they were well aware of the dangers oh, of yeah. concussion, because hockey in a rural area, My like, sister was the captain know. of her hockey team, and she sustained one or two concussions, and it was the same thing. Like, they took it very it's seriously. It's serious. It's very serious. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now it so and Zach don't go to sleep. <laughs> Zach is a teacher, and every year, like at least one kid will get a concussion somehow. Not at school necessarily, but like in an activity or whatever. And nowadays, they pull those kids out of school for weeks. Yeah. And and they just you know they can't be around like loud noises. They can't watch TV. Bright they lights, can't read yeah. books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have to just like. Just Be heal. still and rest. quiet and rest and heal. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's crazy. We, we it's were serious. not given any kind of recoup no. time. Absolutely no. not. <laughs> Let's be honest. The three of us didn't do the types of activities. Oh, I can confidently kind of say I have never sustained a concussion. <laughs> I did from once. athletics. No, from anything. I definitely did once. 
Yeah. Kenyon got hit in twice. the head with the boom. Yeah. I also jumped no concussion. into a, or I was pushed into a pool and hit my chin <gasps> on oh, the side oh, of the pool because wow. they didn't push oh, me hard enough. Were you pushed no. or did you jump? Because you changed your story pretty quickly there. I was pushed. <laughs> I was uh-huh. pushed. Uh-huh. The I blood was... spatter would suggest otherwise. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I've We've been, been doing dense. this podcast for 29 <laughs> episodes. I think we know Kenyon. <laughs> I have a dent in my she chin. She jumped. I was she pushed jumped. backwards, and my chin hit the side of the pool. Anyway. That's not where you got that dent. Um, I also have a dent in my chin for a different childhood injury, so mm-hmm. every once in a while, Kenyon and I are feeling especially intimate, and we yeah. like oh. lock dents. They we fit chin. perfectly together. Our God. dents fit really well I together. have literally like seen inside pieces. of her vagina, and that grosses me out way more. <laughs> Way <laughs> more. Yeah. It's nice to do that. She's not bars. shy. Oh, gross. She's not anyway, shy. that's my story. Right. And I, I like thought it. it was really it was interesting. And I thought it sparked good conversation. So well done, ladies. Raises more <laughs> questions than answers. Yep. I like but those kinds of stories, But that's what we like about though. this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay, special thanks this week. We Ooh. have um, a bunch of new Patreon supporters. Yes. Um, mm. And we have some really cool names this week. Mm-hmm. So, um, Ooh, Allie to Bool. Butcher. Ooh, like Sourdough Bool, the wonderful, delicious bread. I don't Steve know. Steve Bool. No, they, that's Steve <laughs> Brule. I know. I don't know what you're saying. Allie Boole, Claude Savagely. Chloe Savinci. Oh my God, she listens to the show. <laughs> this, is a, this is a huge moment Thank you, for Claude. Us. Thank you, Chloe Savinci. Jesus Christ. Uh, Mary Williams, who would like to shout out her daughter, Lauren, and her bestie, Riley, because yes. they are also big fans of the show. Oh, oh my God, Thank you. Lauren, That's Riley. Awesome. I love that. Yeah, mother, daughter, and daughter's best friend. That's so cute. I love that. That's the best. Oh, my God. Um, love it. Jeffrey Skinner. Yes. Um, Jeff Skinner. He's he's a big fan, and he likes to do, like, Twitter bombs of all of his, like, favorite quotes from the show. Which mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I love his tweets, yep. especially yeah. because I don't remember a lot of our, like, oh, none of us. I not that I don't remember, remember, but they weren't important enough remarks to remember after a bottle of wine. I never remember. Yeah. <laughs> He's a really good memory jogger. Thank you, yeah. Jeffrey. Thanks for live tweeting us, Jeffrey. Never forget slash never remember. Yep. Um, and <laughs> last but not least, um, Sid Early, which the name Sid is so cool. So Sid Early. So good. Um, uh, Jeffrey and Sid are both donating $10 a month, so they will be getting free fucking patriarchy wine glasses. Yes, Kings. Cool. Yeah, they mm-hmm. will. We got um, you. And also, our, uh, today's show is sponsored by Talkspace. Mm-hmm. So, again, this is the online therapy company that believes that therapy should be affordable, confidential, and convenient. A Talkspace therapist can help you on the path to a happier life, and that is not just bullshit or jargon. That is true. Therapy saves lives. Mm-hmm. It's um, serious. So and this uh, episode talked a lot about mental health. Sure so did. Yeah. It's serious. Yeah. Every episode kind of does. Yeah, we bring true. up how insane we are every episode. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. We bring up the number of medications that we're on every episode. Yeah. <laughs> this is not, not even scratching the surface. Yeah, let's I've got cut a lot this more so that I can from. go take my Ativan and go to bed. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, so uh, Talkspace, Talkspace She's is amazing. Not <laughs> Talkspace is amazing. Therapy is amazing. Uh, for our special offer uh, for listeners, go to talkspace.com forward slash gals, G A L S, and you can save $30 off your first month of Talkspace. All right. Hell yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have wine recommendations or creepy true crime stories to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. More importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. We are a totally independent show, so if you'd like to support us and get a shout-out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! And he goes, don't be a hero, mate. And I said, I'm not trying to be a hero, but the police are coming. Good evening, and this city remains stunned by yesterday's massacre. They are indeed. Let's get murdering. What were you thinking that first moment when the crocodile latched on? Smell the glory, daddy. Send your knuckle butt. I was singing, I'm gone. Hi, I'm Barney Black. And I'm Tara Saraban. We make bloody murder. Indeed. It's a weekly true crime podcast focusing on lesser-known serial killers and crime stories from Australia. And around the globe. I like eating bananas and punching children. And I've run out of bananas. <laughs> Bloody Murder is available on iTunes, Stitcher. And pretty much everywhere.